Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Spacebar podcast. Uh, as most of you probably did over the summer, um, we took a bit of a break from the Spacebar just to kind of recoup and come up with some kind of new, fresh, great ideas. But we're back and ready to go with an episode that I've been planning for a long, long time and an episode that I've been really looking forward to. Um, so this is going to be episode 21 of the Spacebar. Um, I'm Pete Robertshaw, and on this week's episode, we're going to be discussing a subject which actually kind of causes quite a bit of debate in the world of digital commerce, and, and that, that top topic is headless. But however, like a lot of other conversations that kind of go on around headless, we're not going to try and get too technical on this podcast today, but frankly, because probably myself and I can't speak to the other guys, but my technical knowledge to headless isn't that great. But we'll try and keep it high level, bit of a uh, bit light, really focusing actually on how headless tech can really help deliver like high performing commerce experiences. I guess most importantly for the front end customer, because that's why we do this, right? It's got the front end customer's got a benefit from this and day. Having some great tech out there, which is kind of like an IT nerd's dream is great, but actually does it actually solve a problem? So we're going to talk a bit about that today. What does Headless actually solve? How does it help merchants and how does it help the end consumer? Um, so to help me discuss all this, um, I'm joined first by Franz Riedel, who's the COO and uh, co-founder of Styler. Um, Styler is a front-end experience platform uh, which enables digital teams to deliver commerce and customer experiences at scale. Basically, Styler, in kind of like general terms, is kind of two main uh, strings to its bro. It's kind of a powerful page builder to help marketing teams kind of create really great content without needing to write a single line of code. And also, um, Styler's now got a brand new um, front-end um, element to it, which basically is a brand new headless front-end, which is aimed at delivering like the ultimate performance of your commerce platform. Did I get that right, fans? Is that good? That's very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm also joined by uh, Tom Armstrong, who's the VP of Go-To-Market Solutions and Strategy at Fast. Um, Fast is a one-click checkout solution, which allows customers to literally click and check out in one one click. It's a really credible, incredibly powerful uh, experience for customers, and it really does mean you can do away with like any credit and debit cards. And you know, whenever you shop with Fast, you just do not need to go and get your wallet out. It's literally click one click and done. And it's I I was skeptical when I first saw it, but I've since been overawed by. It. I think it's an amazing experience from a customer point of view. And as a very laser consumer, I will be using Fast at whatever site I can see it on. So, uh, welcome Tom and uh, welcome fans. Thanks. Happy to be here and great job on the fast pitch. <laughs> I love it. Hopefully got it right. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So before we get into the main podcast, as we always do, it's tradition on the space bar to kind of get to know our guests a little bit more. Um, so we're going to do a quick fire round of questions. So you're going to get four questions each. Um, I want to give you the first thing that comes into your head and just everyone gets caught up by this. Your questions are different. So don't start planning answers for what the other person said. Um, but Franz, I'm going to go with you first. Um, and this is because this is the space bar. Um, the first question is, is usually alcohol related. Um, so um, beer, wine or a cocktail? That's a tough one. Depends on the time of day and occasion. Um, wine most of the time. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'll stick with wine then. We have wine. Okay. Um, what's your favorite place to visit outside of Germany? Again, tough one. Uh, South Africa. Oh, wow. I thought you might have said London. Disappointed now. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, sorry about that. I was, I was thinking more about vacations and, and where in the world I could go. And I've been there twice and it was phenomenal both times. Really love it there. So, um, yeah, that's the answer I'm going to stick with. Okay. I don't think you're the first person to South Africa. I need to, I've never been, so I'm going to have to give it. And this is coming up quite a few times on the space bar. So I have to put that in my plans. Um, okay, next one. Um, read a book or listen to an audio book. Listen to an audiobook. Definitely. It's so, to me it feels convenience. Uh, I think it's a great way, great great way to 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 learn to well I to be honest, I, I usually listen to uh 
to to nonfiction, um, try to try try to learn something from out of like different uh, different topics, and uh, yeah, I feel I feel like it's really great when walking walking uh, uh, the stroller, for example, great way great way to 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 take new 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 things in. Hundred percent, yeah, agree. And the last one, I don't know if you get a chance to do this anymore, considering you just had a baby. But um, what was the last TV series you watched? Ted Lasso on uh, Apple. What is it called? Apple TV Plus. Um, have you seen it? No, I haven't got Apple TV. Was it any good? I, I surprisingly, I loved it. It's uh, the the story sounds a bit weird. A U.S. Uh, football, like American football coach and amateur football coach successful um one but still amateur level um is uh, being hired by a premier league club to take them out of mediocrity and uh win win i guess uh, the, the the championship but there, there there's a more complicated pl- plot around this um okay. it's surprisingly good i i skipped over it a couple of times because i felt it, it sounded a bit weird but um uh yeah Definitely worth watching. Great. Thank you. I have to find another way to watch it on Apple TV. So um, I'll see another way I can get to that. But thank you. Cheers, fans. That's it. You're done. You can relax for a few minutes. Will do. Um, Tom, so kind of similar line of questioning to yourself. Let's go. Um, so first one, a real ale, champagne, or some kind of spirit? I'd say a real ale. Big, big beer drinker. Um, I was jealous of Franz's question that I didn't get to weigh in on that. The only thing I would caveat is I'm a enjoy a tequila as well so uh maybe a bit of both <laughs> from time to time yeah, yeah. <laughs> a real ale chaser with a tequila yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 okay um the one place you've never been but really want to go interesting yeah i've actually been to almost i think every continent except for antarctica but i've never been anywhere in africa uh so spent time in australia uh asia and japan and hong kong and china but never been to africa so definitely uh ride some of france's coattails there and south africa seems fantastic just you know obviously a, a whole world over there to see so that's uh that's certainly one on well traveled man well, well yeah. traveled man okay <laughs> um a podcast or a webinar uh, definitely podcasts. Yeah. Podcasts will be so hyper niche that it's like a webinar is never going to appeal to that uh, sense of me. It's always webinars are like good to have in the background or catch up on trends, but you know, it, only a podcast. Can you find something that is yeah, like the 10 other people in the world want to listen to something that you care about much like this, probably <laughs> people that are in the world of commerce and headless. <laughs> the right answer. Considering yeah. the podcast, I've been disappointed at webinar. Um, <laughs> and last one for you, similar question to Franz's, but what was the last movie you watched? Uh, I watch a ton of movies. Uh, of course, now that we said that I'm going to be blanking on it. I'm watching a ton of series as well, but okay. So I just started watching, uh, a series here in the States that's actually made by a bunch of Kiwis called What We Do in the Shadows, which is hilarious. Actually, has a bunch of British people in it as well. And I went back and watched the original uh, movie from, I think, 2015, which was uh, excellent oh, wow. as well. Yeah. I have to give that one a go. Netflix, yeah. I imagine, that's probably on. Give that, give that a chance. Yeah. Probably Part of the reason I ask this question, the podcast is literally just me and self infinite importance. Like I want to get to know what everyone else is watching so I can get some ideas. That's all it is, right? It's yeah. Nothing else other than that. I, I it, also, so- I have to say, I really enjoyed Franz's like extremely German recap of Ted Lasso for someone that's watched it a bunch of times. It was like both uh, brief, but also extremely thorough. So well done. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
Very good. Right, you're done. You can we can we can get into the actual main part of the class now. But thank you, guys. Hopefully, that gives our again our listeners a bit of an insight into you too. So, uh, very good. Um, but yeah, we are obviously here to kind of talk about a, a serious subject, I suppose, but an interesting subject, which is um, we're here to talk about um, headless commerce experiences. And I guess the kind of tech we're starting to see again, help enable headless commerce to ultimately, I guess, drive that um, better kind of experience for the end customer. But I guess really what I want to kind of get off first to cover at a high level is kind of what headless means to you both and, and why it's such a kind of big topic in digital commerce. So, Franz, I, I've just come to you first. Um, another other reason than just because you're looking, I'm looking at you. Um, why, what to you is headless to you and kind of why is it important? So it, it feels like to me headless or the has been around as a buzzword or trend for years now. Um, but as of, as of late, late, I see more and more actual implementations more and more people actually using it and um, i mean it means basically breaking up the monolithic and monolithic setup and end-to-end solutions right and and being able to uh, to use uh, yeah specialized specialized solutions combining them those through apis um what i i think composable commerce is the the, the term people still still uh, try to try to uh, um make popular and and sort of to replace headless but um to me headless uh, as i said it's been around for, for for a while i see a lot of benefits really so th- this one size fits all approach in a in a highly developed market it feels like it might not be the right approach anymore um so i, I like the fact that people can actually choose the the specific systems the specific components based on what they need instead of getting something that in some aspects might exceed what they need by far and in other aspects um, is, is not sufficient for them. And also paying for that whole thing, even though you, you might, not be, might not be using uh, 80% of it really. Um, and additionally, being able to change, to change components without, um, without uh, having to, to rip out the entire system. I think that's one of the largest advantages, actually, because it will speed up the just evolution. It will speed up the development so much, uh, the, the, just the cycles of, of businesses improving. I see this as, as one of the largest benefits um, to be able to, to, with very little effort, test something, try it out, change it change what you don't like without having to take uh, to take uh, everything apart and start from scratch so um even though i don't think it it will be necessarily right for everyone um i think it's 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 here to stay headless uh, will enable a lot of businesses to make progress much much faster and to get what what they need specifically to to cater to their to their customers and make make them happy okay um great answer I guess same question to you, Tom. Can I get your kind of take on this? So again, you know, what's your experience so far of headless commerce? And again, when did like fans kind of touched on that? It's been around for a while, but like when did headless actually become a thing? And kind of you know, what's your experience of it to date? Yeah, sure. And um, this is one of those, as I talked about, hyper niche podcasts. Like uh, my career has basically brought me to this point, right? So I started in the world of commerce in 2007 at ATG before it got bought by Oracle. So working in like a super complex Java application server, right? Then I made the move over to Demandware because Demandware just made a whole lot of sense, right? Combined phenomenal German engineering with the cloud-based model. And then over time, right, things changed. And at Demandware, I remember we first came out with what we called our open commerce APIs, uh, you know, maybe in 2014, 2015. But they were never really put 
uh, in context of this is going to power your entire commerce experience. It was, I've got some supplemental experience that I want to, you know, like a native app or maybe put it in store. And really, I think it was 2018 when I was leaving Salesforce after the Domainware acquisition and uh, Kelly Gage, who I actually worked with back at ATG, uh, he was like uh, well-known then and he's obviously very well-known now in the world of headless commerce, really started making a name for um, the term, right, with commerce tools. And I, I absolutely loved it. It made tremendous sense to me, uh, especially I'm kind of a developer by trade, but I've also done a ton of sales work. So I, I love just how easy it was to get started, you know, play around with something and build versus, you know, potentially having to go through a whole sales cycle and gated communities. So, um, you know, it, it, it then really became much more of a thing with Ampliance where I joined because we kind of found a niche of, uh, and a really strong foothold in combining headless commerce API capabilities with experience, right? And content and media. And so people would find out, hey, I'm going to go to something like a commerce tools, but how do I actually control the front end, right? So all the great business tools that were there before, you kind of lost them. So it's one of those things where uh, it's been such a technical term. What I love now at Fast is that I would actually argue in some ways that we're actually doing proper headless commerce because we're taking the checkout capability, which is a key part of commerce and actually enabling it in a lot of places. Whereas for a long time, it's basically been putting you know, APIs into a front end or some sort of experience. So yeah, I have a lot of, a lot of thoughts here, as you can imagine. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where my, uh, my mind goes when I think of the term at this commerce. And it's, it's really been a thing in my world for, for quite some time. And I, I kind of love to see all the, um, you know, all the stuff that's going on out there. Mm. It's interesting because when I, my background was just been in IT. So I was kind of IT and retail for like 14 years, but back when I was kind of doing this, it was like, this was the opposite of what you want to achieve. It was like, you know, we need to get everything under one roof with one big system. We don't have loads of different systems we've got to manage and support. It's like, now it's kind of come full circle. Now everyone's kind of like now starting to break the architecture down again because, again, they realize that these, again, monolithic platforms just can't, aren't necessarily fit for both. They can't do everything. You know, like the commerce platform is a platform, but it's not it's not designed to do all these kind of great things or these great third parties that you start there dedicated to doing these kind of things. So I actually think it, as an agency, really embrace it because it follows our mantra of trying to deliver a great experience to customers and you can only do that if you're using kind of like best of breed tech and you can't do that easily i think one of those kind of monolithic platforms you're kind of getting everything shoved in front of you and you can't do an awful lot with it so yeah i agree both of your kind of takes on that kind of really makes sense and it has been around in some way shape or form for kind of quite a while um i don't know if i can ask you guys because i've got my own kind of take on this on the next question but so we kind of get headless and kind of what it is but when you speak to merchants What's been their understanding generally of headless? Like, do they get it? Um, Tom, I guess we'll speak to you first. Obviously, you've been kind of heavily involved in sales. So what, what, do merchants understand this concept yet? Are they starting to get it? Yeah, so this is uh, another one that really hits for me because it made a lot of sense for me when I joined um, you know, Ampliance in 2018 and loved headless. It made so much sense from a technical perspective. And we would try to really explain that to anyone from a line of business, you know, VP, e-commerce or someone. It just it wasn't really making sense, right? So, you know, as I, as like the bigger players in the world started to talk about it, right? So seeing Salesforce or obviously commerce tools and these other platforms come into play, it definitely has gained traction and things like the mock alliance. And, you know, as, as Franz was talking about the concept of composable commerce, which is, you know, kind of created by the folks at Gartner, right? You start to see people really understand that it's, yeah, it's a technology, but here are the specific use cases that it helps unlock. And then for me, 
right? Looking at something like a CMS, like a Styla, right? Looking at something like, um, you know, checkout, like fast, right? You start to unpack uh, the concept of headless in the context of an application, and it just starts to actually make sense, right? When you put it into something that you previously couldn't achieve if you were going down the traditional, as you're talking about, Pete, that, you know, I've got a platform that needs to fit into this, right? So it's, it's never been more understood, and it's ironic because I'm almost sick of the term at this point, uh, you know, four or five years on of talking about uh, headless. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wonder if, if, like, if, if headless actually means enough. So it, for me, it doesn't, as a term, like if it's somebody out there, it doesn't like you say headless and like it doesn't really mean anything. Like, so, like, it, it's, I don't know if there's a better way we've kind of talked about the composable commerce and stuff, but even then, that's kind of like very buzzwordy. Like, I feel like it just needs like a a single kind of sentence explanation to the average person as to what it is. I guess, Franz, obviously, your product style is specifically aimed at delivering like headless front ends of the customer. But when you're trying to explain that concept to customers, do they get it? Like, who is it you would typically have a conversation with within a business about about this? And, how, you know, who do you have to kind of sell the idea to for this kind of like headless front end? Or does your product just kind of sell itself in essence in terms of what it does? Well, I think people know what well, I think by now pretty much everybody in commerce has heard of the term and, and not just yesterday for the first time. Um, what I, what we actually try to or yeah attempt to focus on is less on headless or not headless, but started started uh, uh, what the business actually wants or what the needs are or what their pain points currently are currently are. Because you know headless it's it's a way to set some something up. It's a s- system like architecture sort of, sort of thing. Um, but to me, that doesn't justify a change per se. I know it's it's something something hip and trendy, probably. But um, we try to. We usually talk to the to, to the people on the business side of things, of often big business owners for for like in the mid in the mid market, um, the commercial guys, um, and we rather focus on how to solve how to solve their their pain points, how to get their business to the to the next level, and of course. Um, as I said, I'm a big fan of of a headless setup, and I think it can really uh, that the business can really benefit from it. it is is uh, um, it has the potentials to solve a lot of issues. For example, uh, loading like site speed, load loading times, right? Um, mobile optimization. Um, we we like our solution comes with a PWA as well. So that's a lot of a lot of things we hear from the market um, that that is actually a challenge for people and once once um they understand that we're able to solve this to solve this or headless is a good way to solve it um i think they they usually don't mind um sometimes there's a bit of uh there might be a bit of uh well i don't want to call it fear but they're a bit of holding back because of uh uh, the, the feeling that people need to choose, make a lot of choice on the different on the different components, but um, I think that this this can usually be overcome or is is actually more a benefit. Um, but I think like so we don't have to convince people headless is best. We just have to convince them we can help them with their with their problem. And they're happy to go headless mm. if they feel like this is the way. And um, as you said, with with most uh, tech 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 people on the tech side agencies. They usually like headless any in in any case, right? So we have never had to convince anyone there. Um, at least uh, at least with the with the target audience we 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 usually speak to. So it sounds like in kind of that sales process, you kind of more selling the kind of that the end kind of tech stack, and you are referring to it as headless as such. You're basically you're understanding the requirements, 
and basically saying you've got a solution that you know, it doesn't yeah. regardless forget about the word headless but you've got a solution right. where it's architected ultimately helps deliver their solution right so the headless kind of conversation is just it's a way of implementing it it's just a, again a word away but it's not you focus on the tech stack rather than the actual word okay yeah um so like from a com- from a commerce like platform perspective so um who do you guys see leading the way in, in kind of like in, in uh, headless commerce as opposed from a platform perspective because you know, um, Commerce Tools, you know, recently has raised over $140 million in funding. I imagine they're probably the front runners here. It, it, what, what's fans, who, who for you, who do you kind of come across, who do you see as the big players coming at the moment, taking this kind of really seriously? I, I feel like a lot of a lot of players are, uh, well, claim to be, uh, or more and more commerce platforms, let's put it this way, claim to be uh, uh, or want to ride the wave of, of headless or, or, or hybrid in a way. Um, but I do, I do believe commerce tools is the the clear leader. I I might not be aware of the entire market, but I see commerce tools really strong here. A couple of others trying to get there. Um, some rather jumping on the bandwagon in, in terms of marketing and and benefiting from the term instead of actually living li- living uh, this type of setup. Um, and more so, so commerce tools definitely. And uh, I would probably say. Big commerce uh, in, in the mid market, not not by far not not as focused on on uh, headless as as commerce tools, obviously. But we feel like they've mm. been doing a pretty good pretty good job at uh, at actually de- delivering delivering and being at, as open um, as you would a would a platform uh, expect to be. Yeah, I guess the thing with the commerce is, I guess, like then they've always had this kind of open API, this API first architecture, which in essence is, is ultimately headless, right? They've always had this kind of like best of breed, you know, we're going to give you the commerce platform. Here's what we got. Basically, go away and plug in your best of breed technology again. So, I guess that ultimately is kind of that headless approach anyway. Um, uh, Tom, is similar for you? Is that, you know, commerce tools, are they standing out for you? Yeah, I mean, I think they've earned the right uh, to lead the charge since they have done such so much work between Dirk and Kelly on kind of getting the term out there in the open. Right, um, and they, you know, as you mentioned, right, they're they're doing great from a fundraising perspective. They're really shaking up the industry, uh, even on the more traditional analyst charts like Gartner or Forrester. Um, that said, I I really like and enjoy talking to the folks at Fabric um, before uh, Faisal and Ryan over there are doing some really nice things. I think they take a different narrative approach than Commerce Tools, where Commerce Tools leans very heavily into the engineering and the um, you know API first capabilities as you're talking about. I think Fabric does a nice job of kind of tying it to retail and business value. Uh, Molten was a great uh, great company, right? They got bought by Elastic Path. Um, work there to do because you know they're not an independent entity, so now you got to meld it into there. But you know those folks over there are great as well. And you know Big Commerce certainly kind of leading the charge in the SMB uh, and mid market side. Um, Especially in Europe, I think UK Europe is, is more mature from a from a headless perspective, and you know I think big commerce has seen some great stuff there. You know, all that said, I, I wouldn't sleep on Shopify. Right, they are <laughs> not to be uh, trifled with, and and some of the recent mm-hmm. announcements they just did uh, at their developer conference certainly are moving towards that space. Um, all that said, right, I, I, I'm not convinced, um, and this is someone who's been in the e-commerce platform world for like 12 years uh, that that it will actually be the same as we know it right in five years time. I think uh, you'll start to look at it as a total commodity uh, almost, you know, it's probably bold, but almost to the point of, you know, what's, what's your ERP that you're running, right? Cause it's really going to 
become essentially this transaction layer that's just going to pass uh, orders into a, a backend system. And I mean, the concept of platforms as we know it uh, could potentially even go away, right? As you have everything commoditized into an API. Now, certainly on the enterprise, right? On the mid-market or, or, or folks that just want to shop in a box, you know, we'll, we'll still have easy to start, um, no code, low code type of situations as well. I think we're starting to see a bit of that already in not in necessarily the kind of headless way, but like, you know, platforms like Instagram, Instagram shopping, literally you don't even need to leave the, the, the social platform to go and shop. Google shopping, I don't know if they, they, there's been talk for years about them basically making it so you don't even have to leave Google shopping, the Google website to go and actually buy, you can buy from straight from, from the Google shopping ads. I think you're right, the commerce platform in so many ways could become it's not say redundant, but it's going to become less. I mean, there's always going to be room for again some of the smaller businesses that just kind of you know need that kind of platform. I mean, Shopify is great, obviously. We you know for kind of smaller businesses, especially with during the pandemic, so many businesses got up and running on Shopify and big commerce. To be fair, literally in the blink of an eye, selling because it was just so easy for them to do it. Um, I guess that's kind of another question, actually. So, from a headless perspective, does headless require a, a heavy kind of tech team within a merchant to kind of really kind of truly work with it, or is it like, I mean, if commerce tools traditionally has always had this kind of stigma about being very developer focused and you kind of need, a, you know, an internal massive development team to kind of run with it. What's your take on that? And both of you, like what, what's, do you, is it a, a technical uh, dream for somebody? Does, does a business need to have a full team of developers to kind of go and make use of kind of headless or is it, um, does it just depend on, I guess, the way you implement it? I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think when headless, I I know exactly what you what what you feel like or or um, where you're coming from with commerce tools being something very developer oriented or feeling like you need a lot of development power, but I feel like as as with uh, with other products, um, probably large enterprises took took the lead and it used to be maybe it used to be like that that you needed a lot of development power, but I feel like um, it's being commoditized in a way as well. You know, over the years, the APIs have become better. A standard integrations have been built. Um, the 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 the, the solutions are more focused on on the business users, not only the tech users anymore. So I I feel like well, obviously you need you need some, but in any case, you do do need that. You need some um, some technical um, some technical expertise and 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 development power. Um, but I do not feel. It's like like it's much more complicated than 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 using a monolithic system system anymore, especially over the like over the long run. Um, maybe initially picking the components is a bit is a bit or feels a bit trickier, but you might get exactly what you need putting them together in a way. But also, um, it's much easier easier to to take care of those um, or. or to use these different components and to to evolve your system over time instead of putting a lot of effort into in, into updates or or security patches and and whatnot. So I I would say it's 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 not much more demanding in terms of development power anymore. Um, but yeah, Tom, Tom, what what do you think? Yeah, so this one's interesting too because um, for years in the demand world, world at least, we would sell to folks and say, hey, look. You're a retailer. You're not a technology company. You know, don't waste your time with this stuff. We'll take away, you know, in our world, we took away like some of the DevOps or upgrades or hosting and whatnot. Um, the reality is that pendulum has swung 
uh, in the other direction. And now you can't just be a retailer. You also have to think like a technology and a, an agile team, right? And that's where it's been interesting to see the you know proliferation of like the role of the chief digital officer in some of these companies and, and proper product management teams as well. That was always for us at Ampli, it's a, a leading indicator of like, all right, these are forward thinking folks that are, are kind of thinking about things, not just on a, a buy mentality, but we're going to buy and build and create stuff. So while I do think there is certainly the need to have some sort of technology to unlock the potential, it gets to a point where you're not uh, hiring armies of developers to do low level tasks and said they're they're able to you know interact with these APIs that exist and create applications um, much more quickly, right? Versus like wasting time on lower level, you know, in the old world, like lower level Java server configuration, right? They're they're integrating with that. And then a lot of times, right, it's getting unleashed in some of these incredible front end frameworks that exist now that, uh, you know, like things like either, even to the point where you use tools like Vercel or Netlify to just deploy things in one click. It's, um, you certainly want to be technically savvy, but you don't need an army, right? You can do you can do more with less people because a lot of that work is being done by the core service that these uh, platforms are providing. Okay, so uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about, I guess, the technology so far, and um, I guess how for the merchant it's kind of helps them kind of build their tech stack, and it's kind of great for that. But again, I kind of come back to the kind of subject of this podcast in terms of like you know. Headless commerce, delivering a great commerce experience. Kind of what what's in it for the end customer? Like for me, going on browsing the web, I don't know if I'm browsing a site that's built on headless architecture or not. Right. So, what are the benefits to me as an end consumer? What what can I expect to see by browsing a site that is built in a headless manner? Like, what 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 are the benefits to me, Tom? Yeah. So certainly, in theory, not always in practice, but the number one thing that we would always tout, um, and everyone does, kind of, I think, in this world, is is site speed. Right. Like knowing that. You know, Google ranks that as a as a high uh, criteria for things like search ranking and just general consumer experience, right? Like ad nauseum about site speed's impact on conversions. So I think number one, you should see that if people are using some of these, you know, Next.js, Gatsby, Nuxt, View Storefront, whatever it's going to be on the on the front end, things like Styla, Ampliance, etc., that are going to help enable that. The other thing I think that it's more of a soft benefit that they'll that consumers will notice is just the ability to do new things that they could only do previously on Amazon or Walmart or, you know, Tesco, whomever it's going to be in, in certain regions. Right. And because this uh, incredible array of companies exists now, right. That basically a, a company's go to market strategy is essentially, I will do one thing that Amazon does extremely well and sell that to everyone outside of the Amazon market. Things like search personalization, one click checkout, right. <laughs> Those types of functionalities that, are kind of locked in these uh, heavy engineering team companies that now can go out there. And so when I, you know, it's great now to work for a company where I can easily demo it. Uh, Demoing the concept of headless CMS, as you can imagine, wasn't something my mother picked up incredibly fast. But just showing something like a one-click checkout makes so much sense, but they don't actually appreciate the level of sophistication that goes in to actually enable that. So I think you'll see that like, you know, classic surprise and delight capability that if you can do that to some sort of end consumer, uh, they'll certainly notice, right? And they're going to have additional brand loyalty. It's it's just not going to say, oh, what a great headless experience. It should be, <laughs> you know, seamless and, and somewhat innovative. 
Yeah, so I guess it's going to become people again. Consumers going to expect that going forward as well. So I guess it puts pressure on a lot of other retailers like, who aren't often experienced um, to kind of get, get get in the game. Really, and we found, yeah, found you. You know, your product again as mentioned before is all about delivering that kind of like high performance kind of front end. Because it's one of the things you guys do. But again, what what else do you see for consumers? Is it again just generally about performance and that just generally great experience and they're going to seamless, quick checkout? As Tom talked about, what what is it? What is it you see for consumers? What's in it for them? Well, I think the obvious one, speed and and uh, hopefully better mobile optimization. Um, some something else consumers expect these days, I guess, is uh, their their favorite brands or retailers being available on all these different channels that they want want them to be on. Um, the channels that exist today or the channels of the future. I know one one example. Haven't really seen it live, but. Is car commerce right? Getting getting uh, really commerce commerce in, into your vehicle. I, I don't know if that's going to be the f- the future, but consumers will expect brands to be everywhere where they they want them to be. And I think a, a headless setup uh, is probably one of well, probably the only way a, a company can keep up with the with the pace and the, the 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 demands or expectations of the of the consumers. And also, I feel like. Um, Hopefully, consumers will notice that the that the their favorite brands or stores stick out a bit again. I feel like sometimes commerce sites have been I don't want to say interchangeable, but they have become a bit standardized and quite similar how how they are, except for the, the, the visuals. Um, and hopefully, that's that's what we we try to do is we want to provide a lot of a lot of components that are yeah fairly standard to e-commerce sites out of the box so the the and the, so they don't have to be custom built in the front end anymore but instead the IT mm-hmm. capacity or the agency can focus on building those two three four modules that really make the brand stick out it might be a 3d configurator of the of the product or something <laughs> for which previously um there was simply no money because so many other relatively standard components needed to be built. Um, so I, feel, I, I hope at least it's going to go into the direction that that uh, e-commerce brands are are more um, are standing out again more or more differentiated in, in in different components. I hope that's that's the way it's going to go. But certainly, yeah. I feel like the companies on a headless setup will be able to keep up with the pace. Um, and if I I truly believe things will speed up, evolution will speed up even further. And, and I believe a lot of companies who don't like, which don't, um, which don't move or don't change their setup will probably disappear over the next, over the next year, sticking to the mm-hmm. monolithic system. I, I hope they don't, but um, I see a strong probability there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the one big thing positive for me about it is the fact that it, it encourages merchants to start again thinking about outside, outside the box and trying to think about delivering a great commerce experience. So again, the amount of merchants that I know that will with whatever platform they're on will just use the out of the box search. I, I've talked about some previous podcasts about you know using out of the box tech when actually you know there's so much better out there. The one thing I really hope it drives is again merchants thinking about the best of tech that's out there. But you know not just going but what comes out of the box um, that's available. You know thinking about you know even better tools for their internal stuff like merchandising their product catalog. You know to a search you know payments that we talked about then i'm hoping that it encourages them to just think about what else is out there because ultimately that's best for the consumer because it's going to give them a better experience so that's the one big thing i guess i as a customer i would hope to see again not even necessarily 
knowing that that's going on but i just just, just generally get a better experience when i go on a on a, on a platform on a, on a website that's what that's what i'm hoping and hope it gives again the merchants a bit of a kick up the ass to kind of start trying to think about commerce experience because we're really passionate about that at space 48 so um yeah that's what i'm hoping for um, but i i'm also I'm quite really interested to know about how headless has enabled both of your businesses to kind of really take off and grow we are today and you know i know star's been around for a while i know fast relatively new in the market i guess in terms of age but for you as technology providers, like what is it about headless for you that's great? And what how does it enable you guys to develop better products? Again, this this concept of headless, like how does it fit in your kind of tech stuff? Franz, just for you first, maybe. Um the one thing that, that headless solved for us is because you mentioned in the beginning we have we have two products. One one sits on the existing on the on top of the existing store. So let's say it was a, used to be a magento shop in many cases, and we would sort of um sit on top of that and even though we would deliver most of the page or the entire page everything between header and footer we could never really solve that that speed issue right because if, if the magento store took four or five seconds to load we could never be any faster never be any faster than that um so that's something i i love about about headless that you um that, that we truly have a chance to have yeah to just uh really impact this the the the, the, the site speed and and we can really deliver deliver on that here. Um, something else that I that I love um, is that we're able to work with partners much more closely. Um, the more open the the, the the setups are, the architectures are, um, the better. And I feel like also the 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 spirit of everyone in this uh, like Mac Alliance and and beyond is really towards we need to work and we want to work together. Right. So, um, it's less, less about like competition, but really, really tying a package together, like the, the right services for a potential client that they will actually benefit from. And people like, it's more about collaboration instead of, instead of push, pushing others out in a way. And I, I feel like this, this is something, uh, the market will really benefit from. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. On the budget and partner thing, you get Tom, have you got some kind of take on this as well? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, yeah, just to build on what Franz was saying before and just now, right? Um, one of the things I love about you know, this mock alliance and these things that are going on now is that it makes you kind of put your uh, <laughs> money where your mouth is, right? And you, you've got to prove that you actually are built the proper way, right? You can't just uh, stick a, a headless sticker on your website and uh, and be good to go right you, you know, we, we literally just did this uh, last week kind of going through a, an exhaustive look underneath the hood to make sure it passes um, you know the test and the nice thing about fast as you mentioned Pete right we are a relatively young company right we are just about a little over two years old potentially right and with that we have the luxury of not carrying around you know this anchor of technical debt that some of these other companies have that's out there right and that's why people are excited about what we're doing you know it's how we're able to recruit engineer talent from places like google and apple and you know facebook and uber because they want to work in the latest technologies right so we're creating things the way that engineers create things and that's where it's, it's kind of funny you you talk to someone who comes into um the commerce space that maybe was doing something in, you know, mobile app development or, you know, folks at Uber and they're like, yeah, headless, that's like APIs. That's how things are built. Right. So they, they don't want to build it. And honestly, some of the folks that I've worked with uh, on some of the projects uh, for some of these legacy commerce platforms, like are, you know, 
apoplectic or you know beside themselves they're like how how is this how these sites are run still right these like hyper proprietary things so for us right it just gives us this ability to to build faster internally you know turn around products create new things it's all based upon you know technologies that enable that agility but from a business perspective, it allows us to distribute right, and have distribution into additional channels because it takes less time for us to build. You know, so you know, fast only works when we integrate into Salesforce Commerce Cloud, into Commerce Tools, into Magento, into Big Commerce. Right? We need to do those integrations, and the fact that we're built on a very lightweight, um, you know, headless approach allows us to do those faster. Allows the customers to kind of you know get to value faster, and then allows us to just distribute um, where we're going to be, right? And the other one is just basically having a headless integration approach allows that button that we create to not just be used on the website because it's headless, it, you know, go use it in an external blog, go use it in a QR code, right? So it's, it's foundational for our ability to scale uh, the reach of the company, but for us to be able to kind of continue to innovate and, you know, pump out uh, new and exciting products like on a regular basis. So like without that, you know, we'd be stuck doing some you know, legacy uh, code maintenance stuff or you know sometimes it gets to the point where people are releasing updates and it's like hey new java version and it's like cool what does that mean for me <laughs> right so it's really just kind of continuing that path of you know uh, engineering product and engineering work relating and and coming out to like real tangible benefits from uh, the customers that we serve i, I kind of want to just have a um We've been kind of like, you know, really positive about how this so far this podcast been talking about it and, and what it means. But one thing I worry about, and I've seen examples of this, is where businesses and merchants kind of go down this headless route just for the yeah. sake of it because they think it's a buzz. You know, we work with a, a client, um, I won't name who they are, but uh, they're no longer with us, um, as in the business doesn't exist anymore. Um, we They came to us with this kind of crazy, like, architecture they built, this, like, full headless, like, it was just stuff going on all over the place, like, why have you done like what, what's the purpose why have you built like this and it's basically it was to kind of satisfy somebody internally it's kind of like it, scratch a niche for like we want to build something kind of like great like again it goes back to the point before like you were you were a retailer kind of a tech company they were trying to be a tech company rather than a retailer it was just like they had this whole development team who built this kind of headless application it was like but that was just so problematic they built it on a language that nobody really used they couldn't recruit devs for it and it was just like on the, I, I do worry that as good as Headless is, I think we talked before. It's, I think fans mentioned this before. Headless can't be for everybody. It's not like you know. It's it's the way that, you know. This it's still a relatively new concept, and I, I do think there's you know there's, there's got to be a use case for it. Uh, are you guys on the same page as that? Have you kind of seen you know the people just talk about this because it's a buzzword? You get e-commerce managers you speak to who kind of want to go headless because it's a buzzword. They want it on the CV. That's my only kind of reservation about headless and people are kind of like it's a cv builder for a lot of people like they want to go and do it because they've got to prove a point yeah i mean i'll kind of talk to that because one of the things that would always drive me mad was that we would potentially do this big transformation project and the result would be a website <laughs> it's like okay cool we have the same thing that we had previously so i feel like uh, you find those right customers that want to do something innovative, but also have a solid, you know, use case or business case behind it. And uh, I mean, for me, one of the favorite customers I've worked with over the past couple of years, and it's mostly because I, I own one of these massive smoker grills called Traeger. Um, we basically help them take the head off of Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And then we basically 
not just, you know, created a really cool website experience, but it was one of the first things that I feel like actually proved the hype of IoT as well. Because these grills are smart grills, right? Like you literally, um, you know, you're on the website, you're looking at a recipe, you pull up the app, it's that same recipe, you send that recipe to your grill, and you can read the recipe from the grill, right? It like, literally does everything for you. And it was a great example of like, you know, create once, publish everywhere, you know, headless experience that's out there. And, you know, sometimes you just need some, you know, smart nerds who like to grill to kind of make something happen that's a little bit different versus, as you're saying, someone just, you know, doing something for the sake of doing it. Um, you know, the other things that that I'm seeing now, too, is that, again, at Fast, since we're bringing headless to like an application, right, it's not just here's an API, it's here's how you actually can check out anywhere. We're, we've got some super exciting projects that are launching in the next month or so where we are enabling some of the largest retailers out there to now um, provide the ability to check out from, you know, articles that are out there. So I could be reading a holiday gift guide and not just, you know, go back to the website, go to the checkout process, you know, register, log in, literally just check out while I'm doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So bringing commerce to content and kind of doing something that's fundamentally changing. Right. And that's, that's where it's exciting because we're, we're kind of trying to create a new consumer experience and that's where, the value of this type of technology comes into play, right? It's not about uh, having a, a more elegant uh, underpinnings of your website. It's it's really trying to kind of push the needle and move it forward. So that's where my, um, you know, I, I certainly lost faith from time to time on the world of headless as we just continually demoed web stores all the time. But seeing some of these things actually go out in the wild, like Franz is talking about with, you know, in in-car purchasing and, you know, uh, even like the resurgence of the QR code through COVID, right, to help mm. unlock some of this stuff. It's it's been really cool to see some stuff actually change out there versus the same old, same old. Franz, have you kind of got any um, examples of kind of any merchants you've been working with kind of kind of really getting had this right? Is there anybody uh, you don't have to mention name any names, but or any any great use cases for for headless? Maybe we don't know if everyone will answer that. Whether it's a merchant that's doing it or again a use case you've kind of come across that's leveraging it really well. Yeah, so the so the example I uh, I I just thought of, and it, it goes into an entirely different direction than Tom's example. We have this uh, um, business owner as a client. He has been around with this business. It's it's an offline business, rather B two B oriented, probably around for decades, right? Um, he launched his website a couple of years ago. Has a small marketing team. Um, and he, he sort of felt like the website wasn't wasn't up to standard. He felt like he couldn't do enough of the changes in the front end. Felt somehow limited by by the options that were that were out there, and was really annoyed by that. What was it? Google mobile speed score of three, which I think is not even that uncommon, but is 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 not good, obviously. Um, and we got we got them live. It, it did. It didn't take long. Uh, maybe six to eight weeks. We we exchanged exchanged the front end. Um, got them to a speed of I don't I don't know ninety or so. Enabled them to do whatever they wanted to do on their on their website. So they they seem really happy. But but the the cool thing is a cool thing about this is I don't think they know this is a headless setup. I don't think they've ever thought about <laughs> headless. Um, so. They they really don't care. They just wanted their problem to be solved, and at least as of now, I feel like we have solved the problem for them. And their business can can they can take the business in the online world a bit a bit further, uh, take the next step. 
so so this this to me what what was really cool right they didn't care about infrastructure or a system setup they just wanted a solution to the problem and i hope they can uh, that solution benefits them and, and helps their helps their clients have a have a better experience so um yeah that that, that made me smile at, uh, what yeah it was really cool that's really good that's how you go back to what you said before there but again you're selling sort of selling the solution to the problem that's so the, the text there to enable it but also you're just trying to solve a challenge for a merchant right yeah, de- definitely. And of course, this, this wasn't an enterprise. It, it wasn't a really complex, uh, complex op- operation. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in the, in the mid-market, and I feel like uh, Headless is coming, like going, as I said, more and more down from, from the top enterprise uh, cases, more towards the mid-market. Um, yeah, it can just solve a problem and deliver a better experience. And that's, that's great. Okay, so I want to kind of wrap up with just a sort of final question, really. Um, we kind of talked about, I asked a question before about, you know, who's leading the way and kind of headless and, and whatnot. And it's clear that like a lot of the platforms now are kind of starting to take headless seriously because, again, they might not be, that might be their only route out of this in the future. Like they might not exist in the way we know them today. But is headless really going to be the future of kind of digital commerce or is we're going to see some kind of hybrid approach? What, or what are we thinking? Is, is headless going to be, just become the norm? It's not headless anymore. It's just a tech stack. Is that what it is? It's just... There is no word for headless anymore. It's disappeared. It's just like, this is the way we build uh, commerce platforms and commerce experiences going forward. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, so this is where I think I said earlier, I'm going to potentially contradict myself with saying headless <laughs> platforms are going to go away because there, there's always going to be, as you mentioned, right? Like the shop in a box, Shopify, big commerce. I want to spin up something really quickly because like, you know, maybe something like COVID happens or maybe I need to react to a, a market opportunity and I don't have the tech wherewithal to do that. Now, those platforms themselves are going to be based upon APIs and headless technologies and probably have some fancy WYSIWYG tool to kind of do it all. So that's the good thing there. But honestly, I'm just happy to see the commerce world get a much needed boost of innovation. Um, you know, I, I <laughs> sometimes I open up some of these uh, admin panels or business managers or whatnot, and it literally looks the same from like 2011. And it's... Uh, it's something that needs to be pushed in the in the right direction. So if if commerce tools, if fabric, if all these folks can go out there and just push the bigger um, applications in Salesforce and Adobe or SAP or Oracle to kind of up their game, then that's just going to help everyone, right? That's going to help folks like Franz, folks like myself, um, like new companies that haven't even started, just have the ability to bring those solutions to market. And those are, at the end of the day, going to benefit the retailer and hopefully, if things go well, the actual end consumer. So I definitely think um, this this trajectory of, of kind of technology-led, API-first, cloud-native, headless type of stuff is, is going to be the norm. But I think we'll stop talking about it after a while because it'll just become perfunctory. It's not going to become something that is going to be um, you know so left of field. It's just going to be, yeah, this is how things are built these days. Cool. Fans? Your thoughts? I would agree. I don't think it's going to be headless only in the next uh, two, three years. I think it's becoming more and more the norm. I, I do see, especially for for smaller or very small merchants, a definite benefit of not having to make any a technology decision, but just choosing Shopify um, because it, it might not even their full-time job, but rather a side project, right? Um, and I think that will that, that will definitely suffice. Um I do believe what everything will come to is more openness generally. Even the uh, even the the traditional monolithic behemoth 
platforms need to become more open because because uh, well people making purchasing decisions will will expect that um so i i believe they they won't disappear fully i believe that the, the entire ecosystem will become more open and i see a strong shift towards a headless setup but really re- really hard to say uh, maybe 10 15 years uh, in the future the three of us sit here again and we'll, we we notice that there's a new there's a new monolithic uh, player who combines headless uh, elements within mm-hmm. how they approach things uh yeah I, I i can't say but i i i agree with tom fully this brings a lot of speed it like it it breaks up the market a bit or it shakes up the market a bit um it leads to competition it leads to demand by by people making the purchasing decisions and hence it it will lead to uh, to progress and and dynamics in the market which i personally appreciate a lot yeah 100 percent um I'll take you off from the offer though in 10 years' time. We'll get back together and we'll see where we're at with this. We'll get we'll get back together. I'll make a note in the diary with 10 years' time. We'll see where I'm we're in. at. But, let's go. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's been great, guys. I mean, I think um, at the end of the day, again, this, I, I set up with this podcast today. I really want to kind of get from stand, you know, what, what is Headless delivering in a positive way for, you know, the commerce experience? How can it affect it? And for the merchant, for the end consumer, which is ultimately the most important person, which is kind of why we all do this job, right? Okay, our customers might be, a retailer but their customers are the ones that can keep us all in business if that makes sense so that they're successful we're successful right so yeah i think um, from what i've heard today and from what i've been seeing with the way the industry's going i think it can only be positive for, for the end consumer uh, which is again why i'm in this game so but that's great i think it's a great way to end the podcast tonight guys um thank you both for coming on and sort of sharing your thoughts with us it's been very insightful but not too techy which is exactly the way i wanted to keep this tonight so uh, well done for, for your contribution it's been really good to have you on yeah thanks for having me thanks we'll see you in the next 10 years yes see you in 10 um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> well that's it for now um, thank you for listening I uh, hope you enjoyed what you heard today uh, if you've got any feedback on the podcast um, please let us know on all the usual social channels LinkedIn you can find us all myself Franz Tom on LinkedIn hit us all up if you've got any, got any more questions or comments about what, what we all do and uh, and how headless can be beneficial for you but for now though um, stay safe take care and we'll catch you on the next one You've been listening to Spacebar, a podcast brought to you by Space48. We're a UK leading CX and e-commerce platform specialist. If e-commerce content's your thing, then please be sure to subscribe to hear more. Do you like what you've heard or is there room for improvement? Please leave us a review and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.